Father God, we thank you that you are the great I am, God, that you are the King of Kings. Thank you for our worship team, Lord, and the talent you've given them to lead us into worship, God. I thank you, Lord, that, Father, you are, <laughs> you are, you have such a great sense of humor. I thank you, God, uh, that you are our King. <laughs> All God's people say amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, those guys pull that off every week, and you never know it. And so uh, we celebrate weeks and weeks that, that it goes off without a hitch. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, we serve a great God. He gives us great opportunity as we're looking at doing uh, ministry, as we do ministry in Peru and God is expanding our territory, and what a great word to, to hear, see somebody, uh, hear from them front lines that's in the trenches doing the work of the ministry, amen? Isn't it great to be a sent, that we're a sent people, a sent people, that, that's a phrase the Lord gave me this week, and uh, man, if you're going to live a sent life, life on mission, you have a life of great expectation, a life of great opportunities. And I am glad that our opportunities and our abilities are not limited to our abilities. But we can touch God's abilities and what God is doing. And uh, great, great privilege. Amen. Uh, Brother David, I believe your dad graduated from William Carey, didn't he? Did your father go to William Carey? I must, I must have him mixed up with somebody else. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bible today, if you'll take it and turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5. <coughs> I mean, six. We're going to be in Acts 6 and 7 this morning. Uh, awesome week. The uh, Lord's been up to a lot of stuff in our hearts and our lives. Last week, we, we talked about that we'd begin this week, the time of fasting. Uh, we didn't give you a set regiment that you would, uh, we'd ask you to do, but corporately, we want you to be engaged in our fast somehow. There's several different things you can do to, 21-day Daniel fast, 10-day Daniel fast, 3-day fast, complete fast, fast just water, fast just bread, fast this, 1-day fast, 1-hour fast, 1-meal fast a day. Uh, you just take your pick. But what we want to do is we want you to get what God wants you to do, and we want you to be obedient to that. It's a great opportunity for us as a faith family. God is giving us tons of, of things and connecting the dots in a tremendous way. Um, this week has been an interesting week. We began this rebellion series that's leading us to rebel against being uh, not what God created us to be and being all that he wants us to be. Really, it came out of the I Need to Change series because when we made those conscience, this conscious decisions to begin to make God-sized changes in our life, then you need to realize that you're going to have to rebel against the devil as we looked at last week and all the tactics that he throws at us. Today's sermon in our lineup was called Rebelling Against the Pressure. The pressure. The pressure against uh, what the devil throws at us. The pressure from our peers when we began to try to live for Jesus. Uh, man, it was in the lineup, slated to be preached this week. And uh, man, the Lord gave us all kind of real life examples this week. Started on Monday morning with the first professional athlete coming out of the closet. Uh, admitting that he was a, an open homosexual, and, and the press went crazy. Uh, he received a president, uh, call from the President of the United States, 
saying, I am so proud that you want to live in a life that's contrary to God's word. Well, it's not what he said, but it's what he was saying. And he received a call and said, I'm proud of you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for leaving, leading this kind of life. This is an issue that Christians don't like to talk about a whole lot because we feel like we don't have a lot of ground in this, that we're on the losing end of the stick. Listen, we, we love, we love people who are adulterers, who are homosexuals, people who are broken, people who are robbers and thieves and crooks and liars and cheats. There's no difference. We love them for who they are, and we just see them for what God wants them to be, what God has in store for their life. And this is a very uh, touching thing. It came out this week on Monday. This young man came out with that astounding news. The press went crazy. There was another guy who found himself uh, in the spotlight this week. His name was Chris Broussard. Good Cajun name, down from born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, home of the Fighting Tigers. And uh, Chris was there, and uh, man, he was asked. Play-by-play analysis guy, uh, great NBA go-to guy. Asked, what do you think about this? It was the talk of the day on, on Monday. And he clearly basically said, and this is a summary of what, I, what, I, what he said, is that Man, God loves us, God has a plan for us, and that's not the plan. And uh, we can't be in a right relationship with God when we live contrary to his word. And man, he didn't get a call from the president. And uh, however, he got lots of calls and inboxes and tweets and everything else from people not celebrating him, but crucifying him and calling him intolerant and a bigot and everything else. That dude just went to work Monday minding his own business. But his business is to give his opinion. And then when asked of his opinion in that, all of a sudden he began to just blow up the airwaves. And uh, so the next day they came back, and so I was Googling it the next day, trying to find out what the latest was. And headlines the next day for this young man was, he clarifies his statement. And I'll admit when I saw that, I was a bit saddened. And I was, because everybody, there's a lot of Christians that always take a stand. A lot of great politicians take a stand, and then the next day they retreat. And uh, so I reluctantly clicked on it, knowing that I'd be disappointed. And he clarified and basically said, I stand by everything (laughs) that I said yesterday. However, I don't think any less of Mr. Collins. I don't think any less of him. I don't think he shouldn't be playing in the NBA. I just think God has a greater plan for him. And as you know, he was not celebrated again. However, the thing that I want you to understand today, I want to ask you this question. I asked the question on Facebook this week and nobody responded to it. What would your answer have been? If someone asked you straight up, what would your answer have been? Would you have stood by your convictions? Would you have abandoned your principles? Now, I'm not, calling, I'm not saying that we should have lynch mobs and we should have hate mobs and everything else. Listen, guys, there is no difference in sin in God's eyes. His word says if you break the law in one area, you broke it in all. What I want you to understand is that God has a great purpose and a great plan for every one of us. And it was not for us to live a life uh, contrary to what he wants. Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand. That if you are going to amount to anything in this world for his kingdom, you're going to have to be willing to take a stand. You're going to have to be willing to understand that you may be hard-pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. 
you're going to have to be willing to understand that God has called you to stand out, not sit in. You're going to have to realize that God did not call you to the secret service. He does not need you to be in the CIA where you're a covert operative, where nobody knows your real identity and nobody knows what you're really up to. What God has called you to be is a catalyst to change our culture. How many of you admit today that we need a cultural change? We need a change in our culture from men and women, boys and girls, who will stand up and say, you know what? I am a born-again, blood-bought believer. I am willing to stand up and be accounted for. I am willing to make a difference. God has a great plan for us. I want to show you a couple of things that happened in Acts 6 and 7 real quickly. Man, the ministry was growing. It was exploding. They couldn't take care of all the needs. And so they came together and said, hey, let's, let's, let's put together some deacons. And, uh, man, if they can go and take care of the everyday work of the ministry so that the pastors can continue to expand, duplicate leaders, study themselves, show themselves an approved workman, making a difference for the glory of God. And so here's what happened. In verse uh, 5, they did that. The proposal was celebrated by all the people, and then the company of the people, there was a man named Stephen. And they list some other guys there, but the one we want to talk about today, his name was Stephen. And all of a sudden... These men began to do the work of the ministry, and the ministry began to explode because it was no longer about just one good pulpiteer. It was no longer just about one good worship team. It was no longer about one good teacher, but it was about a team that was bombarding the gates of hell for the glory of God. And all of a sudden, man, revival began to break out in the religious bunch, and a bunch of priests began to give their heart to the Lord. And so they began to leave the traditional Jewish ministry. I tell you what, saved preachers make better preachers. Amen. I mean, I, I know I've, I've led a preacher to Christ before. I mean, I mean, I have seen, I mean, I know a lot of deacons that we've led to Christ. And so here's the thing about it. Well, the thing that's interesting is that what happens is they gain a heart knowledge and not a head knowledge. They trade in intellectualism for a birth certificate from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so in this passage of Scripture, it goes on and says in verse 8 that Stephen was full of grace, he was full of God's power, he was full of God's glory, and man, things were happening all around. Big things were happening. God was shaking some things up. I mean, it was overwhelming what God was up to. And man, man, it began to shake things up so much. It says in verse 10, they were no longer able to stand up against the wisdom of Stephen. They began to confront him and try to get him to back down. But the more they came and applied the pressure, the greater Stephen was, the more powerful he was in his wisdom and his anointing and his intellect. And so, man, they began to entice people, intrigue people, and say, hey, go, go say you heard Stephen say this and that. And so what happened was they began to accuse him of blasphemy. And accusing him of blasphemy, they brought him in before the religious crowd and basically said, dude, you've got to cut this mess out. You've got to quit preaching this. You've got to quit teaching in this name. And so all of chapter 7 is Stephen's response. I mean, he goes all the way back to the beginning, and he preaches a long message. Amen. It wouldn't have made it in our Western mindset. Because some of you are already thinking, okay, is this pastor going to preach after that missionary spoke? Amen. And your laughter is amen. I know. Here's the deal I want you to understand, though is that he preached this message, and look how he ended it in verse 51. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit as your forefathers did, so you, 
so did you and just like all of those who were before you. And then verse 54 happens. When they heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts. They gnashed their teeth in him. Well, that sounds familiar. I mean, let somebody live for Jesus and see if the teeth don't gnash. I mean, I, I may be wrong, but I don't think Tim Tebow ever got a call from the president that said, man, I am so proud of you for just standing up for what you believe in. I'm so proud of you for not shoving that down other people's throats, but you just standing up for what you believe in. I am so proud of you for coming out and making a difference. And here's the thing that I want you to understand, guys. Here's the thing I want you to understand, ladies, is that in this world we live in, you have to understand, if you are going to be uh, anything useful for the kingdom of God, you might as well get ready to be hard-pressed on every side. However, if we are hard-pressed on every side, you must remember the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 that we are not crushed. We are not crushed. Though the enemy surrounds us, though God may well up inside of us and give us a greater grace, give us greater strength, God is up to something big. There's a couple of things I want you to write down about Stephen. Stephen served the king when it was the popular thing to do. When it was the easy thing to do, Stephen served. When it was the, the popular thing to do, he served God. He walked with God. He loved God. He honored God. He worshipped God when it was easy. Then when it became difficult, he served God. When he began to be hard-pressed, they began to say, now listen, you can keep healing people, you can keep doing great signs of wisdom and wonder and all those good things, but this it's Jesus' business. Simmer down, simmer down, simmer down. Simmer down. You're, you're getting to be a radical. You care too much about lost people. And he kept preaching. He preached when it was popular. He preached when it was unpopular. He served when they said, don't do it. He served and he stood up and was counted for when the most logical, the most intellectual thing to do was to be quiet. To be quiet. What would most believers have done on Monday when asked the question that Mr. Broussard was posed with? They would have given a politically correct answer. I don't know if you've seen this picture this week of RG3. RG3 was a superstar for Baylor last year. Breathe fresh life into the Washington Redskins. And I ran across this this week. It says, in a land of freedom, we are held hostage by the tyranny of political correctness. Robert Griffin III. Can I just tell you, that was a breath of fresh air for me. It was a breath of fresh air because I was like, there's a young man who's willing to stand up and be accounted for. There's a young man that all the eyes in the sports world are on him, but he's willing to stand up and be accounted for. He's willing to stand up and say, I don't have to give in. God's looking for men and women that, have a, that are the light of the world. They are willing to make a difference. They are willing to forge forward. They are willing to give their life. They are willing to stand up when it was popular. They are willing to stand up when it was unpopular. I thank God for Tim Tebow that he didn't quit bowing, that he didn't quit praying, that he didn't quit worshiping, that he didn't quit honoring, that he didn't quit giving the glory to God when all the world said, you're a fanatic, you're a zealot, you've lost your mind. 
he was still willing to stand up and be a counting guard. I think the New York Jets bought him and stuck him in the corner just to put him, just so the camera's not on him anymore. We got extra money, let's just silence that dude. Let's just get him off the screen. Just my personal commentary. Everybody has one. You're entitled to your own. You got to be willing to stand up when it's not the right thing to do. And I'm telling you something today. If you're willing to stand up when it's not the right thing to do, Jesus Christ will stand up for you. Look in this Bible, in your Bible here at the end of this verse. It says, they begin to gnash their teeth at Stephen. And they begin to drag him out in the streets. And to begin to stone him. You know, in the first service, when we listened to this, when we read this scripture, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Drag him in the streets and stone him. When's the last time you've been to a good stoning? Literally. But it has a different perspective in this service. After Pastor Reggie stood before us a few minutes ago and said, they stone us in India. See, we don't get it here in the West. But in his country, they still stone believers. Were, were, were you overwhelmed the fact that the Christians are being stoned with the Muslims? Side by side. Because anything that runs contrary to their Hindu God runs contrary to their whole belief system. And so instead of allowing it, they actually stoned him. They took Stephen out there and began to stone him. And Stephen, in the midst of all that, he looks up and God parted the heavens and somehow with Steve's nat Stephen's natural eye, he was able to see all the way up into the third heaven. And in the third heaven, here's what he caught a glimpse of. He caught a glimpse. Now, all, the New Testament is filled with phrases like this. And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he ever loves to make intercession for us. But in this passage of scripture, that's not what it says. It says Stephen looked up into the third heaven. And in the third heaven, here's what he saw. Not Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, but Jesus standing up at the right hand of the Father. Matter of fact, here's what your Bible says. And Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw God's glory. What was God's glory? Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God that laid down his life for every broken, doomed, damned, addicted person in this world, whether they're addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, addicted to sex, addicted to whatever. Jesus Christ went to the cross for them. And Stephen saw his glory in the sun. And the sun was standing. When Stephen was willing to stand up, at this point he was thrown down and they were stoning him. It's hard to stay in the upright position when they're throwing rocks at you. Can I get a witness? But when he could no longer stand up, Jesus Christ was standing up. And I believe he was standing because just like you at the ballpark, when your little, your little tyke hits the ball past second base, you're standing up, shouting. When your little dial dances, out dances everybody on the ballerina field, for those of us who have a lot of girls, when they're out dancing, when they're out doing all those things, I mean, I mean if you don't have a sports kid, I mean, when they do the best in math counts, can I get a witness? I mean, there you are with your T-shirt, with your name across the back. It says, that's my baby. That's, that, 
yeah, right there, number one, I'm his granny, I'm his papa. You're excited. Why? Because your child is doing something great. And I want you to know something today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that when Stephen was willing to go down to the grave, when he was willing to give it all for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it got Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, up on his feet, upright, and cheering him on. Cheering him on. That wasn't the first time this happened. You remember there was another story kind of like this in the book of Daniel. There was three guys who were unwilling to bow down to a 90-foot statue. Can I get a witness? That's one big statue. And they were unwilling to bow down. And so you know what happened? Same thing. Some people who were their neighbors came back and said, Hey, they got three Hebrews over there who's not doing what you told them to do. They're not giving in to the peer pressure. They are standing up. They are being accounted for. They are making a difference. And so, man, it made Nebuchadnezzar so mad that he heated the furnace up instantly and said, get those guys, tie them up, and throw them into the furnace. And he gathered those guys up, bound them hand and feet, and he went and threw them into the furnace. And the furnace was so hot, the Bible says, that it consumed the men who threw them into the furnace. And there was King Nebuchadnezzar on his golden perch, and he's like, "Uh uh-huh, who's the big daddy in this ring? And all of a sudden, so he goes over to look and say, I took care of that business. And he, as he approaches the edge of the furnace, all of a sudden he calls his men over and says, Come here quickly. Come here quickly. I thought we threw three men in that fire. We did, boss. Then why is there four? And why are they unloosed? Why are they unleashed and running around in my firebox? Here's what he says, and the fourth one was, the, it was the image of the Son of God. I'm telling you what, that all the way back in the Old Testament, when men and women were willing to stand up and stand out, God was standing there with them. When Stephen was willing to stand up and stand out, God was standing there with him. So much that when he caught a glimpse of the glory of God, Stephen said this in the book of Acts, please don't hold this against them, they're just, they don't know what they're doing. I just want you to know something today is your friend, is your pastor, is your peer. Whichever way you want to view me today or as your enemy. I'm telling you that if you're going to make a difference, you better be ready to be hard pressed. You better be willing to have your family mock you, ridicule you, laugh at you, make jokes at you, the world to come after you. If you're willing to stand up and stand out. If all you have is bumper sticker Christianity, you're not going to make it. If you only have surface roots into this Jesus thing, you're going to be swept away when the tides of life begin to come in. But I am telling you that if you're willing to put down some roots like the tree planted by the living water, I will tell you that though all hell assail you, you will not be moved. I wonder today if we'd have a Mr. Broussard in this building. Someone who's willing to stand up and stand out. I was so disappointed last year. Last Father's Day, matter of fact. J.C. Penney came up with this great idea. They hired the guy who made Apple Retail famous to come and run J.C. Penney's. And he was going to be the next great, is going to be, J.C. Penney was going to be the next Apple. Go figure. 
and for Father's Day, they rolled out their new advertisement. You know, they did away with the door busters and, well, we're going to have one one-stop shopping, one price, all this and that. For Father's Day, they rolled out their new advertisement, and it no longer had the pictures of family units, but it was a picture, uh, it was celebrating open homosexuality. It had a picture of two men and a little boy in their family unit, and ever since then, J.C. Penney's has been celebrating that. And my heart broke, because you may only know J.C. Penney as the store next door. But J.C. Penney was a man who was a third-generation Baptist preacher. His daddy was a Baptist preacher. And his daddy died at a very early age. And so J.C. didn't really get to know his daddy that well. But here's what he said. I can remember my mom starving, our family starving to death, and I can remember us having to work so hard for food. That my job as a young boy was to go through the streets of the city and gather up everybody's dirty laundry and bring it home for my mom to wash it all by hand. And here's what he said. One day when I was riding down the streets, going down the streets of my city, gathering up everybody's dirty laundry to bring it home to my mama, he said, that day I made a commitment that I was going to be successful in my life and that there would never be a pastor's wife again have to wash somebody else's dirty laundry to even exist if I could help it, if something happened to their husband. And so he started out in his life and opened up this simple little store called J.C. Penney's which even through the depression was successful. And his legacy is that he fulfilled his promise. And he started establishing retirement centers for retired pastor's wives when their husbands could no longer be there. So last year when I saw everything that this man stood for, the principles that he worked upon, the principles that he built his life and his business upon, my heart was broken because he died in the 70s. So we're not even one full lifetime away from his death. And everything that he worked for so hard is already in the ditch. I mean, J.C. Penney was somebody who made statements like this. I would rather be known as a Christian, a great Christian, than a great businessman. Now, it's one thing to say that if you're not a great businessman, but it's another thing to say that when you are one. It's one thing to say that when you don't have anything, but when you are one and you're willing to say, I'd give all that up so that I might be a great Christian, that's something of, of value. J.C. Penney was the man who was at a Christmas party one time drinking ginger ale, and everybody said, oh, J.C.'s drinking, J.C.'s finally drinking. He never picked up ginger ale again. J.C. Penney was the man who, if you ran around, if you drank, or you was an immoral person, you didn't work for him. That was in the day that you got to pick the own, your own people that you want to work for you. If you didn't believe like he believed, you just didn't need to be part of his network. J.C. Penney was a man who said things like, it's better to do the hard right than to embrace easy living. It's better to do the hard right thing than to embrace easy living. So what's that got to do with us today? I was so excited Thursday night, flipping through the TV, and I ran across this ad. 
J.C. Penney's first story. And it basically said, over the past few years, we've made lots of changes. Some you liked, but more that you didn't. We're sorry. We've heard you. We've made the change. Would you now come back and shop again at JCP? The rock star, the apple star, was fired. Because somewhere they realized, man, we upset our base. And Christians no longer had a desire to go there anymore. And they were going broke. They could not stop losing the money. And, and, here, and I have never in my life heard this. A business run an ad that says, we're sorry. We've made the change. Please come home. What God is looking for is some men and women, boys and girls, who are willing to stand up and say, I've heard you. I've heard you, Lord. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to be counted on. I must just lie. I'm, I'm an emotional person, I know, but I started choking back tears when I saw that ad. Not because of J.C. Penny, I care less about that, but because of the legacy of a young man a hundred years ago, who said, I'm going to be a businessman. I'm going to make a difference for the glory of God. This week, Mr. Broussard said, I'm willing to stand up. I'm willing to be counted for. Even if it means my opinion is different than the most powerful person in the country, I'm willing to stand. Our family today, if we are going to make a difference in our city, and Lord knows our city needs us, needs the power of God, we're going to have to be willing to stand up and be counted for. Now that doesn't mean that you get your big Bible and start beating people over the head. It doesn't mean that you get you denigrating bumper stickers towards sinners. It doesn't mean you go and get t-shirts that say I hate this sin or I hate that or I hate this no what it means is that you tolerate the sinner and love them to Jesus it doesn't mean that because every family in here in our day and time is probably touched by adultery by homosexuality by broken lives by drug addictions and what it means is that we as a faith family decide this, that we will love them to Jesus. 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 Do we need to stand up and be accounted for? Yes. Do we need to beat them over the head? No. It means that Jesus loved us this much and he stretched out his arms and nailed them to a cross and died for us. And died for us. And God is looking for men and women, boys and girls, who will walk down the street and have an epiphany just like J.C. Penney did and say, my life is going to count for something. I am going to make a difference. I am going to be a world changer. Now, what happens after you die, you don't have any power over. But while we exist, here's how we will exist. Today, would you be willing to be a foot soldier 
in the greatest movement in our day and age. An awakening. A spiritual awakening in a spiritually dead country. With your head bowed this morning. Father God, help us in Jesus' name. God, please help us to be a Stephen and rebel against the pressure. Please help us to make a difference right where we are, right where we live. In this building today, Lord, there may be somebody who's been bound down with that secret sin, God, and they just need to give it up today, Lord. They need to come running home to your mercy and grace. Lord, maybe there's a believer here who's been asked those hard questions. God, today, Lord, is... Robert Griffin III said, in a land that is held hostage by the tyranny of political correctness, would there be a new foot soldier in this building today that would rise up and say, you know what, it may not be the popular thing to do, but I am going to live on purpose, with a purpose, for the King. Stir our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you stand to your feet today.